After 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nahum Siegel. Welcome to a Wednesday. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program.
J.M. in the A.M. Good morning, everybody. It's a Wednesday. Uh, we're at Nahum Single Network headquarters in New York City, and I thank all of you for tuning in. Uh, Yosef Chaim with Mina Meitzah. You heard Kalakavo done by Srili Werdiger. Danny Palgon's Adon Alam, Lechado D from Eitan Katz. Isaac B. Tone and Holy Man. Mia Deer, that was Yomi Lowy, and of course, Regesh Modani opening things up. And we say good morning. It's Wednesday on this October the 21st, day three in the month of Mar Cheshvan, the year 5781, Tufshin Pei Aleph. 62 degrees, 97% humidity, winds are southeast at five miles per hour. Welcome to a cloudy Wednesday with a high of 72. Tonight, clouds and a low of 63. Tomorrow, partly cloudy, a high temperature, 74 degrees. 78 right now in Yerushalayim. We're at 62 here in New York City as we say good morning at JM in the AM. Support us by going to fjbunity.org. Uh, that's the address for our uh, fall campaign. Again, fjbunity.org, and we thank you. Um, check out our app. Go to the NSN, Nahum Single Network app for Android and iPhone, and comment away. Hey, why not? Sandy says, please keep in mind, Shalom Avraham, Ben Peshalea, having surgery today. Your help with that is greatly appreciated. Again, it's Shalom Avraham Ben Peshalea. Trucker Yitz, he says, Boker Tov, y'all. It's foggy in the Catskills, even by uh, Legoland. Is that Catskills or Catalyst? I don't know. I can't figure it out. A lot of times, Trucker Yitz is typing while... Well, I don't want to say it like that. Uh, (laughs) He might might type a letter or two while he's driving. I don't want to accuse him, God forbid, of doing something that uh, one shouldn't be doing. But I just get a feeling that, uh, you know, or even when he stops, even when the when the truck has stopped, still it's not easy to, you know, to get all the spelling right. But anyway, he says it's foggy uh, even by Legoland. Glad to be listening to this amazing network. Thank you. Uh, he says just about this time every year we start hearing about the Haas concert in January. Any news yet? I haven't heard a word yet. And for those wanting to forget 2020, don't forget it started with a great Hask 33 concert. Yeah, that was a good night. I don't know what I don't know what the plan is. In general, there's so many events that usually happen in November, December, and January. Think of some of the organizations you're with, folks. Right, November dinner, December year-end event, January event, like the Hask concert. I don't think anybody knows. Um, ZBIS 47 says, tuning in from Israel, wondering how many people in the States are listening at 6 a.m. Listener Chaya says, uh, ZBIS, we teachers getting ready for the day of in-person teaching and learning are up early. Yeah. By the way, I have a lot of different, um, what's the word? Measurements? What's the word? Data, but there's a word I'm looking for. I have a lot of different, um... Um, <laughs> data systems in front of me. We got a lot of folks tuned in around the world, and I would assume the bulk of them are in the New York, New Jersey area, but we certainly welcome those of you who are in Israel and other countries. Last week was pretty cool, and we got a donation from Sweden. I keep talking about that. Um, So, yeah, thank you, and thank you for listening from Israel, and spread the word, whether it's 1 p.m. where you are or 6 a.m. where we are. People are listening round the clock to JM and AM, and we're very, very proud of that. Wednesday morning broadcast, a reminder that later on this morning, Dr. Ephraim Zuroff is going to be with us. He is the uh, co-author 
of um, the book called Our People, Discovering Lithuania's Hidden Holocaust. Um, he lives in Yerushalayim. He'll speak with us, I think, at 8 o'clock this morning, if I'm not mistaken. Check that out in a second. And, um, and we'll talk about the brand new book and his area of expertise, which is it's pretty amazing what he's done over all these years. Uh, he'll join us at 7.40 a.m. Eastern Time, so just about an hour from now, 7.40 a.m. Eastern Time, he'll join us here on the air at the JM in the AM. Tomorrow night is our big baseball event. I know there are a lot of very excited people. Don't forget to go to, go to Twitter. The poll is up at, um, at Toll Jewish Radio. The poll is up at, at Toll Jewish Radio. Uh, asking what uniform Steve Adelsberg should wear on the Zoom call, on the Zoom uh, get-together tomorrow night as we talk about Jews in baseball. And we introduced everybody's special guest, Ron Bloomberg, the great Yankee legend Ron Bloomberg. Tomorrow night, beginning at 7.30 Eastern time, for those who are supporters of JMNAM and the Nahum Siegel Network, and it's not too late to become one. Yeah. Go to uh, fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org. And we welcome everybody tomorrow night on that Zoom call. We'll give you all the Zoom information tomorrow morning here at JM in the AM. And the flyers going around on our uh, Instagram and, and WhatsApp and Facebook and all that stuff. So you can check it out and uh, get ready to enjoy tomorrow night's baseball get-together. Who won the game last night? Ooh. I don't even know who took game one of the World Series, but... Um, uh, our get-together tomorrow night is going to be in between Game 2 and Game 3. Oh, the Dodgers romped. The Dodgers romped. They went out to a 2 nothing lead. And by the fifth inning, by the end of the fifth inning, they were up 6-1. to one. Wow. Boy, oh, boy. That will be interesting if the hated Dodgers win that World Series, the COVID World Series. Hey, I want to wish a mazel tov to the Mursky and Lashinsky families. Adina and Yaakov are getting married tonight. This wedding was originally supposed to be in New York. It's going to be in New Jersey. And to the Murskys and the Lashinskys, to Adina, to Yaakov, to Frida and Yogi, who are such dear, amazing, and incredible friends, uh, we look forward to uh, celebrating with you. Tonight's the big wedding, and we say mazal tov from all of us here at JM in the AM. Yeah, it is possible to have wonderful events even now during COVID, believe it or not. Uh, please keep in mind, Yaakov Tzvi ben Libo for Rafur Shlema, that's Rabbi Sachs, uh, Lord Sachs, who uh, we just found out last week is not well. Yaakov Tzvi ben Libo, again, that's Yaakov Tzvi ben Libo. And as we like to say, your help with that is greatly appreciated. JM in the AM at 19 minutes before 7 o'clock. As we continue on this uh, Wednesday morning broadcast, and um, this comes from Yidel at JM the AM. Let's 
A piece by uh, a piece by S.E. Green called Shades of Soul here at JMNAM. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio around the world, the web, and NachumSiegel.com and the NachumSiegel Network, and of course, in the beloved NSN app. Before that, you heard Maishi Tischler with the wedding mix. Ashrei Mi, done by Baruch Levine. Yidel had uh, Alachas. Min Ametzar was done by Yosef Chaim. I got to thank, uh, thank listener Chani. I knew somebody would come through with the word that I was looking for. She says you have metrics to tell you how many listeners you have. Yes. <laughs> thank you, Chani. <laughs> thank you, Chani. That was the word I was looking for sometimes early in the morning or any time during the day. It's hard to think of the right word. Wednesday morning, JM in the AM, two more hours to go. Um, Ephraim Zurov joins us in the 7 o'clock hour. He's author, co-author of a brand new book. We'll talk about that. And uh, obviously we're here, well, I shouldn't say obviously we're here until 9 o'clock. Tomorrow night, the big baseball Zoom event. More details on that coming up. Galaitzal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast for a Wednesday follows next. We say Boker Tov from JM in the AM. צהל מירושלים השעה שתיים, שלום רב, כאן רני אבנאי עם מה שקורה עכשיו. קבינט הקורונה מכונס בשעה זו, הממונה גם זו דורש למידה בקפסולות בכיתות א' עד וחובת עטיית מסכות למורים ולתלמידים בכל הגילים. עם הציטוטים מהדיון, כתבתנו המדינית מוריה אסרף וולברג. ראש הממשלה אמר בפתח הדיון, חשוב שאנחנו וגם הציבור ידעו לומר שישראל הייתה במקום הראשון בתחלואה באירופה, הנהגנו סגר, ועכשיו רוב מדינות אירופה עברו אותנו בתחלואה. נתניהו הוסיף, אם המצב ידרדר, לא תהיה לנו ברירה אלא להטיל הגבלות נוספות. הממונה על הקורונה רוני גמזו אמר כי שיעור הבדיקות החיוביות במגמת ירידה בכל הארץ, בחברה הערבית לטענתו יש עלייה שמדאיגה את בכירי מערכת הבריאות. עוד הוא הוסיף כי הם מעוניינים להגיע ל-60 אלף בדיקות ביום. תוך עשרה ימים. ויושב ראש מרכז השלטון המקומי חיים ביבס פנה הבוקר לראש הממשלה נתניהו בדרישה שלא להיענות לדרישות משרד הבריאות. מדובר במתווים מרחיקי לכת ומיותרים שלא מתאימים לילדים בגילים הללו, אלא לחיילים בצבא, כתב ביבס והוסיף, הדרישות בלתי סבירות והן תפגענה בתלמידים, בלמידה, בהורים ובקופת המדינה. את הפרטים פרסם כתבנו לענייני חינוך דורון קדוש. לוחם משמר הגבול שירה למוות ביד אל-חלק יועמד לדין בכפוף לשימוע בגין המתה בקלות דעת, מדווח כתבנו באבירה יובל שגב. המחלקה לחקירות שוטרים המליצה בתום חקירתה להעמיד לדין את הלוחם בגין המתה בקלות דעת של הצעיר הפלסטיני בעל הצרכים המיוחדים איאד אל-חלק. התיק נגד מפקדו שנוכח גם כן באירוע נסגר מחוסר אשמה לאחר שהוכח כי לא ביצע ירי וכי צעק ללוחם הצעיר חדל אש מספר פעמים כפי שפרסמנו ביום האירוע. עורך הדין אורון שוורץ שייצג את המפקד מסר כי הוא ומרשו מצרים על הטרגדיה הקשה שנגרמה למשפחה. כתבנו לענייני משפט יובל הראל מוסיף כי שר המשפטים ניסנקורן הגיב להחלטה ואמר לצד דאגה וגיבוי לכוחות הביטחון המגנים עלינו בגופם עלינו לדאוג שלא תהיינה חריגה מאמות העמידה המוסריות הבסיסיות. השר לשיתוף פעולה אזורי אופיר אקוניס מצהיר אצל אמיר איבגי ביומן הצהריים סביר להניח שתהיה הודעה על נרמול יחסים עם מדינה נוספת. אפשר כבר לדבר על התחנה הבאה במסגרת המזרח התיכון החדש הזה? תהיינה עוד מדינות, ויש לי יסוד סביר להניח שההודעה תהיה לפני השלושה בנובמבר. כך אני מבין ממקורותיי שלי, עוד לפני הבחירות בארצות הברית. 
הקרב על התקציב, נמשכים חילופי המהלומות בין הליכוד לכחול לבן, כתבנו הפוליטי מיכאל האוזר טוב. מוקדם יותר צייץ ראש הממשלה נתניהו, בעת הזאת של מגפה אני קורא לכחול לבן להפסיק עם הספינים ולחזור לאחדות. בתגובה גן צייץ גם הוא וענה לו, אם אתה באמת רוצה לעבוד עבור אזרחי ישראל, תוכיח, תביא תקציב מדינה ואפשר למנות בכירים. בתגובה לכך בליכוד מאשימים שדווקא כחול לבן הם שמונים את המינויים הבכירים. ומזג האוויר משלוט הצהריים ייתכנו ממטרים מקומיים. אלה החדשות שעורך רועי ולד.
J.M. in the A.M. with R.J. 2 in Marabu. Before that, Yaakov Shweki's 8 Recode. Wednesday morning, it's J.M. in the A.M. at 12 minutes after the hour. Good morning, everybody. Feel free to comment on the app. Go to the NSN. Nahum Siegel Network app for Android and iPhone and comment away. Uh, do you know someone in your family or at work who wants to explore more about our Jewish heritage? Suggest partnersintorah.org. 
partnersintorah.org. Call 1-800-STUDY-42, 1-800-STUDY, the number four, the number two. Incorporate Torah study with a partner and enrich your life. Partnersintorah.org. He'll uh, tell you how you can become a student or a mentor in their amazing system. Partnersintorah.org. Check it out today. Wednesday morning, JM and the AM. More coming up if you keep it right here at the Nahum Siegel Network. Here's Slimy Gertner.
Soul Farm, pretty amazing song. La Mala Alahar is the name of that one here at JM in the AM. That is good. Moshav Band before that would light the way. Schmeichel, that was Schleimi Gertner here on a JM in the AM Wednesday. RJ2 with Marabu before that. 62 degrees, cloudy skies, and a high of 72. Remember that we are trying our hardest to find jobs for people. We have a service that um, we're providing where literally any resume that we get that fits into the Jewish not-for-profit professional realm gets forwarded to our friends at the Joel Paul Group. Everything else, we try very hard to match you up with an employer. Uh, resume at NahumSiegel.com. Resume. Send in that resume. Resume at NahumSiegel.com. Simple as that. Tomorrow night's the big event. Those of you who are baseball fans will love the— well, you may not love the fact that the Dodgers are up one nothing in the World Series— that's something you may not love. A lot of anti-Dodger sentiment out there, I get the feeling, especially in this area. Um, uh, but there are a lot of people who are paying attention, certainly, to the World Series and certainly are uh, baseball fans for the last many, many decades. Well, tomorrow night we present Open Mic, where uh, I host uh, Steve Adelsberg in a session of uh, For the Love of the Game, Inside Baseball, Jews, and sports, starring former New York Yankee legend Ron Bloomberg, author of the book Designated Hebrew, and the Major League's first ever designated hitter back in 1974. I believe it was 74. Uh, this exclusive event for JMAM and NSN supporters happens tomorrow night starting at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time. We'll give you the Zoom ID and all that tomorrow. 
Uh, it's sponsored by Rosenbaum Financial Services, TaxCPA2.com, TaxCPA2.com. With a big thank you to our uh, good friend Ralph Rosenbaum. He'll join us on the air tomorrow. There's a poll right now on Twitter which uniform Steve Adelsberg should wear to the Zoom call. He's got a number 21 Milwaukee Brave uniform from the 1950s. He has a San Francisco Seals uniform, uh, number 5 from the 1930s, and a Minneapolis minor league uniform from the 1950s. Go to Twitter, at Tall Jewish Radio, to vote. Go to Facebook, facebook.com slash Nahum Siegel, to vote. Yeah, we want to know what you have to say about the uh, attire for tomorrow night. I don't even know what I'm going to wear tomorrow night. I really should get, like, a Yankee cap, no? Do I, do I even have one of those? I guess if I'm in an NSN uniform, I'm good enough for tomorrow night. Uh, so that's happening 7.30 p.m. Eastern time. I hope you'll join us, and I hope you'll let all the baseball fans that you know, especially the Yankee fans, know about it. That would be really cool. And if you're not a supporter of us yet, please go to fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org. Become a, a one-time or a monthly a donor to JMM and the Nahum Siegel Network and help keep us going. fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org, and we thank you. Wednesday morning, JM and the AM. Uh, um, Ephraim Zurov's going to join us. He's out with a brand-new book. Really interesting book about the Holocaust and the country of Lithuania. And we'll explain all that coming up uh, when he joins us at about 7.40 a.m. Eastern time here at JM in the AM. This portion of NSN programming brought to you by our friends at A&H. Abel's and Hyman makes traditional kosher delicacies, pastrami, corned beef, salami, and more. Old world classics, beef fry, kishka, and more. And modern, better-for-you kosher products, including no nitrate added, Reduced fat and reduced sodium hot dogs, plus many other unique items. Visit the website, kosherdogs.net. Enjoy a 10% discount with promo code radio and try A&H today. You'll be glad you did. A drop early for Rabbi Goldwasser. His words, Zechonishmas Harav Zebnevi and Zechonishmas Esther Basar Here is Rabbi David Goldwasser with Morning Chizuk. Good morning. Hashem's forgiveness is extensive. It includes those sins which man commits directly against him, ben adam lamakoim, those sins against one's fellow man, ben adam lechavero, are not forgiven until the injured party has himself forgiven the perpetrator. That's the basis for seeking forgiveness before Yom Kippur from anyone who we may have wronged. Without that, proper atonement cannot be made. We learn that the descendants of Avram Avinu are forgiving. The quality of forgiveness was one of the gifts that Hashem bestowed on Avram Avinu and all of his descendants. Not only must we be ready to forgive the injurer, we should also daven that Hashem forgive the person who has sinned before even he asks for forgiveness. This is based on the example of Avram Avinu, who prayed to Hashem, to forgive Abimelech. The story is told of the great rabbi of Brisk. He was once quietly traveling home on the train. He shared company with a group of people that were ignoramuses, people that were Jewish, that were playing cards. Bothered by his aloof attitude, one of the gang demanded that the rabbi join the game or leave the car. When the rabbi couldn't comply, the fellow got up, physically removed him from the train car. When the train arrived at Brisk, also 
where the group was getting off. They were shocked to see the throngs of people who stood there waiting to greet the great rabbi. Mortified, the offender ran over to him and asked for forgiveness, but it was denied. He couldn't be calmed down and he tried again in another time. Finally, he made contact with the son of the rabbi. He begged him for a way to resolve the matter. The boy was surprised at the uncharacteristic behavior of his father. He agreed to do whatever he could. He visited his father, went over the laws of forgiveness. Their discussion touched upon the law that a person should not turn away someone asking forgiveness more than three times. Taking his cue, the boy asked his father, What about that individual? He asked you to forgive him a number of times, but you didn't agree. He replied him, I can't forgive him. He didn't offend me, the Rabbi Abris said. He offended a simple Jew that he thought I was. Let him ask forgiveness from a simple Jew. This has been Rabbi David Goldwasser bringing you morning chizik. Have a nice day. Hey, 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 hey,
Udi Davidi. Imena Neely Mealy. Avram Freed before that with Labor Day. Wednesday morning broadcast, JM in the AM. From the uh, NSN Nahum Segal Network app for Android and iPhone. Um, please keep in mind Shalom Avraham and Peshalea having surgery today. Again, that's Shalom Avraham and Peshalea. Um, keep in mind for Rafur Shlema, and we thank you for that. Also, Rabbi Sachs, uh, we continue to pray for Rabbi Sachs and his recovery. Yaakov Tzvi Ben Liba, Yaakov Tzvi Ben Liba. And we thank you. Support our efforts here at JMNAM and the Nachum Siegel Network by being a supporter of our full campaign. If you go to the uh, website, fjbunity.org, is a letter I wrote there that's posted uh, that explains the enhanced role. We've always had an amazing role for three and a half decades in the Jewish world, but an enhanced role that we've had during this whole COVID-19 situation. fjbunity.org, again, that's fjbunity.org. Ephraim Zuroff is with us live via telephone. He is the uh, chief Nazi hunter of the Simon Wiesenthal Center and director of the center's Israel office and Eastern European affairs, a Holocaust historian, popular lecturer, and author lives in Yerushalayim, and is with us live via telephone. The brand-new book is entitled Our People, Discovering Lithuania's Hidden Holocaust. Ephraim Zuroff, an honor to welcome you back to JM in the AM. Honored to be here. Appreciate that very much. I am having difficulty pronouncing the name of your co-author. Could you share that with us? Sure. It's Ruta Vanagaita. How did you meet Ruta Vanagaita? Oh, that's an interesting story. Uh, Ruta... Uh, found out several years ago that two relatives of hers, her grandfather and her aunt's husband, had played a role in the persecution of Jews during the Shoah. She was really shocked by that. It was a real trauma for her, and she wanted to atone for it. And she came up with an idea to to try and teach non-Jewish children in Lithuania all about uh, Jews, Jewish history, Jewish traditions, and she got a grant from the EU uh, to do this program called Being a Jew. And part of the program was, part of the grant was that she had to also have a conference on Holocaust education as part of the program. Right. But she didn't know who to ask. and She wasn't acquainted with the subject that well or anything like that. So she went to the people in Lithuania who were involved in it. And they said to her, listen, you can invite whomever you want with two exceptions. Ephraim Zuroff and David Katz. So I don't know if the listeners know who David is. David is a world-renowned Yiddish scholar right. who came to Vilna to teach Yiddish. For many years, had no involvement in local politics or anything. But when the Lithuanian government tried to put Jewish partisans who saved their lives by joining the Soviet partisans on trial for supposed war crimes against Lithuanian civilians, he began to understand that there's a serious problem in Lithuania in terms of the narrative of the Shoah. And he has a wonderful website, for those of you who are interested, called DefendingHistory.com. And um, he's one of the people who has actively combated what we call Holocaust distortion. So in, other words, in, Lithu- in Lithuania, they don't deny that the Shoah took place. They just change the narrative. The Germans and Austrians came to our, our country and murdered our Jews, Nebuch. Right. 
if you press them, they'll say, ah, there were a few degenerates, who, local degenerates, who, but they're marginal elements, not part of our society. Anyway, so Ruta, um, <laughs> Ruta being Ruta, she's a bit of an iconoclast. Uh, all she had to hear was that she can't invite Ephraim Zuroff and David Katz, and she, of course, invited us. <laughs> now, I couldn't come to the conference because I was already committed to a bunch of lectures in the States. It was on Yom HaShoah. But I came a month before that to protest against a neo-Nazi march in Vilna. And uh, I said to myself, let me meet this woman. You know, I, I hadn't been invited to speak in Lithuania in 25 years or 20 years already. And she was ready to pay my expenses and everything, even give me an honorarium. Oh, uh, so I meet, I meet Ruta, and, and she tells me this story. She tells me that her relatives were involved. Now, I had been coming to Lithuania dozens of times since Lithuania became independent. And I never met a single Lithuanian who ever admitted that their families or friends or family friends had been involved in, in the murders. And I couldn't believe it. Now, she was one of the most, if not the most popular author in Lithuania. Her previous book, before the book on the Shoah, had sold 50,000 copies in a country of less than two and a half million people. It was a book of advice to women at 50. In other words, for a lot of the people living in the villages, the women especially, their lives are over at 50, their the husbands are drunk, or they don't have husbands, or they ran away, there's no love, there's no, no hope of love, and, and, and you know, finding a way to make life meaningful. And Ruta wrote a book explaining, giving them practical advice what to do. And I, I've been... Uh, in Lithuania with Ruta on more than one occasion, many occasions, in which people come up to her, who she has no idea who they are, they give her a big kiss, and they, and she, they say, you saved my life. Mm, interesting. So Ephraim so, Zuroff is with us live via telephone. Is this narrative different than, than what we're used to from other countries? In other words, you say that you never met anybody from Lithuania who admitted or, or spoke about their family's involvement in the Holocaust. But, I mean, one can can also say the same about other countries as well, right? Not completely. In Germany, you have plenty of people who admit that their relatives were involved. Poland? Um, the, Poland, no. In other words, the, this is a, a classical Eastern European post-communist problem. Now, you have to remember something. When these countries, when the war was over, they basically exchanged a Nazi occupation for a Soviet occupation or communist domination. Right. Right. In other words, right. they didn't become liberal democracies. Right. So, and the Soviets did their own manipulation of the history of the Shoah. As a matter of fact, in, in, in the Soviet Union, they never used the word Holocaust till the late 70s or early 80s. And they never acknowledged the unique fate of the Jews during the Holocaust. Hmm. And in other words, they did their own manipulation. So, in other words, the, the, the locals didn't really understand the scope, know the scope, or want to know the scope, because you have to remember something. Only in Eastern Europe did collaboration with the Nazis include participation in systematic mass murder. Right. In other words, everywhere Nazis tried to enlist local helpers, it was very important because they were shorthanded and they wanted to show the local population supported the steps being taken. But, listen, outside of Eastern Europe, the helpers basically assisted in the initial stages, identifying, defining a Jew, identifying them, passing regulations, making their lives impossible, to earn a living, 
in some places putting them into a specific uh, residential area and then rounding them up and putting them on trains, mostly trains, but in some cases on boats, to send them somewhere else to be murdered by someone else. Right. In other words, the Vichy police did, weren't the ones who mass murdered the Jews. Right. They, they the just, Dutch NSB, the same. They you just, know what they, I mean? they just the, helped a great deal. They prepared the stage. What they did is an accessory to murder. I'm not saying it to in any right. way condone what happened in Western, Northern, and Southern Europe. Right. But it's different than what happened in Eastern Europe. All right. What's different so about What's different about Lithuania? So Lithuania is a classic example. Uh, they had the highest percentage of victims in Eastern, in in of all the large communities. There were 220,000 Jews living in Lithuania under the Nazi occupation of whom 212,000 were murdered. Now, there were less than 1,000 Germans in Lithuania during the Nazi occupation. And the murders were carried out, it was individual murder, because 90% of the people were shot right near their homes. In other words, it's not like shoving 200 Jews into a gas chamber and dropping the Cyclone B. Every single one of them had to be murdered personally. So that's an incredibly difficult logistic uh, operation. And there were 220 Jewish communities in Lithuania. So you need an incredible amount of manpower. The Germans didn't know Lithuanians. They didn't know the topography. They didn't know the geography. So they, had, they needed help. And the leadership, the political leadership of, of Lithuania, basically told the people who had served in, in their local administration before the first, first Russian occupation, of 1940, of June 1940, to come back to serve the Germans. So, essenti- and so essentially, and, and we get this, I guess, from the title of the book, Discovering Lithuania's Hidden Holocaust, essentially it was a holocaust within a holocaust, meaning that the Germans set up, I don't know if we call it the attitude or the atmosphere, uh, you know, in Europe for that era, obviously, you know, and, and their and their dominance was was obvious. Uh, but, in, but without the cooperation and without the, uh, system that you just described in Lithuania, they would never have been able to have handled what they referred to. They would never have been able to handle their goal for Lithuanian Jews themselves. It would have been impossible logistically, right? Correct. Okay. That's that's absolutely correct. And, that's very accurate. And uh, were all 220 communities in jeopardy? Were all 220, you know... Every single one of them. In every single one of these communities, Lithuanians were actively involved. And not only that, there were quite a few places where the only murderers were Lithuanians, or there were some places where, for example, the only Germans present were photographing, and they weren't even doing the shooting. It was Lithuanians doing the shooting. The, the, shooting. the most well-known episode of Jews mass murdered in Lithuania would be what? Is there one? Listen, the mo- most single event, okay, it would be the mass murder of 10,000 Jews in Kovno on October 28, 1941, at the 9th Fort. The Tsar had a series of fortifications around the city, and some of those fortifications were used as mass murder sites. And those were famous was the 9th, 9th Fort. And those perpetrators were all Lithuanian? Primarily, almost all Lithuanians, yeah. Uh, Is there physical evidence? Now, listen, we, we interviewed, listen, we went to 40 places of mass murder. Ruth and I, we went to 35 in Lithuania and 5 in Belarus. Listen, the, there was a Lithuanian unit sent to Belarus to kill, to kill Belarusian Jews. They murdered 20,000 Jews. What does one in see? 41 and 42. What does one see when they tour those sites? What evidence is there? So in, in Belarus, 
let, let's separate between the two. Belarus, it, the the monuments are with so in Sovietese, I would say. In other words, here lie peaceful Soviet citizens who were murdered by Hitlerite fascists. In other words, that's the way he was in the Soviet Union, because as I said, they didn't acknowledge the fate of the Jews. And Belarus, the, Belarus is like, you want to know what Soviet Union was like? Go visit Belarus. That's the thing closest to the Soviet Union. But in Lithuania itself, now the, the, the monuments say they were murdered by the Nazis and their helpers. It was Jews. They identify the, uh, they identify the victims as Jews. Um, but a lot of the places are neglected. No one comes. But when I, ask, know, no, when I ask about evidence, I mean, do you see areas of mass graves? Do you see areas where there, there's, you know, proof? They're where, all hidden. They're hidden in forests. In Mo- Lithuania is a beautiful country, physically beautiful country. I get that they're hidden, but did, you, but did you see any of them? We saw, we saw, we went to 35 places like this. Oh, and, and they did include actual physical, not just monuments, but actual physical evidence of what had happened there. No, listen, it wasn't as if we could go there and pick up bones. I understand that. But I'm saying what one could go there and say here on this spot is where this mass We murder. know exactly where the spot was because there's a wonderful atlas of the Holocaust in Lithuania. Wow. Which identifies every single mass murder. There are 234 mass murder sites in Lithuania. And I sometimes very cynically say that the beauty of Lithuania is that any resident of the country can reach a place of mass murder within less than half an hour from his home. Unbelievable. You know, when I first read the book, I understood why it was important to write this book, because, as you've described, you know, people think that this was a German-only and possibly even only Central European situation going on during World War II, and and obviously that's an important message. But now that I speak with you, I, I, I get a better perspective, and that is that not only were all the perpetrators non-Germans, or the majority of them, as you describe, majority, not, non-Germans, not all of them, but yeah. they're incredible lessons for Jewish existence today that we could learn from this. If we think it's only the enemies of the Jews and the ones who are really outspoken, who are ready to, uh, who are ready to uh, unabashedly, um, uh, verbally and physically uh, uh, destroy Jews, one has to remember that there are a lot of accomplices in, in, in those types of arenas. Listen, for me... Forty years of Nazi hunting have taught me something, and that is one of the, to, me, to my mind, the horror of the Holocaust is that 99% of the people who carried out the murders were absolutely normative people. In other words, the Nazis were able to create a geopolitical uh, reality in which it was more normal to kill a Jew than to save a Jew. These people were not involved in, in criminal activity before the war. They were not involved in 99% of the cases, 98% of the cases in criminal activity after the war. But during World War II, they were a bunch of, you know, horrible, horrible criminals. And, and if we look... the most horrific things. And if we look, frankly, at some of the places today on this planet who create, you know, where, where governments and, and movements create geopolitical atmospheres, you know, the, 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 it, again, you know, uh, there are people who, who follow blindly and are and are able to become or, or transform from, as you say, normative people to actual murderers. Right. That's a very, that's a very sad truth. So the, we had an enormous success with this book in Lithuania. It became a runaway bestseller. And the, but the only reason this book was published in Lithuania, and it was published first in Lithuania, was because Ruta's, Ruta went to the publisher, and as she's like the goose who laid the golden eggs, you understand, for the publisher. 
So she had written this book about women at 50, so we met with the publisher, and the publisher said, Ruto, why don't you write a book about men? She goes, okay, I'll write a book about men, but first I'm gonna, you're going to publish another book, that, a book that I'm writing right now. Ah, Ruta, you're already writing a book. Well, that's wonderful. What are you writing about? The Holocaust. What, are you crazy? Who's going to buy a book on the Holocaust? She said to them, if you want me to continue with you, you're going to publish the book. So they made one condition. It's a very interesting condition, that Ruta not tell anybody what the subject of the book was until the book came out. Mm. And that was very important because it meant that the government was not ready for what happened. Right. And on the day before uh, International Holocaust Memorial Day, Ruta found the headquarters of the unit that murdered 70,000 Jews in Ponar outside Vilna. And in what, is, what was then an Italian restaurant, we launched a book along with two priests. She interviewed the two most popular priests in Lithuania, one Catholic, Lithuania is primarily a Catholic country, and one evangelical. And they said all the right things, how important it is to, to be truthful about history, how Lithuania has to face its history. And they were, at, they were at the launch. So when the reporters and the press, the media, got a hold of the invitation, they couldn't understand what's going on. Ruta Venegaita, the most popular author on Lithuania, who writes about women at 50, together with Richard Davakis and Thomas Chernas, the two priests, one of whom is a national hero for some other reason, and Ephraim Zurov, the most hated Jew in Lithuania. <laughs> so, so what's it all about? What's going on here? And, and, and it, it, listen, they printed, the first printing was 2,000 copies, sold out in 48 hours, and eventually sold 20,000 copies, with a bestseller being 5,000 copies. And 100,000 people read it because there were lines of months for people to get it out of the public libraries. But the government ultimately took revenge on Ruta. And a year and a half later, when she questioned whether or not the Lithuanians should honor one of the heads of the anti-Soviet resistance after the war, and she read his file in the KGB archives, she had done a lot of research there, and she said it's not, she's not sure it's a good thing, the next day, her publisher announced they're breaking relations with her. They took all her books, all six books, only one of which was about the Shoah, out of the bookstores, 27,000 copies. And, she, and then they said initially they're going to turn it into toilet paper. Now, in the end, that's not what happened, and she actually got the books back. But she was stuck with them. No bookseller wanted to take her books. But now, finally, thank God, she's come out with a second book with Christoph Dickmann, Who's the most, the biggest expert, biggest historian expert on the hist on the history of the Shoah in Lithuania, and it's called "How Did It Happen?" And it's she asked the questions, all sorts of questions that aroused in the course of our book, things that she didn't understand in terms of the processes at work, and he answered her. And this is a guy who was appointed to the National Commission for the Investigation of the Holocaust. So they can't say that he's a Russian agent. You know, when, when our book came out, oh, Ruta's working for Putin. And Zorov certainly is working for Putin, or for the Jews, or for both of them. Or we're being paid by both of them. And uh, the head of national security went on, na on national television and said that the book was a threat to Lithuanian security, as if Putin is going to come invade, invade Lithuania now that the book came out. Unbelievable. Is her life in danger over there? No, not anymore. Now, she's back in Lithuania, and her life is no longer in danger, thank God. But she spent three years in Israel. She speaks not a bad, she, uh, Hebrew's not so bad. And, um, and, and is Lithuania angry, sad, combination, 
what is the? So, st- I, I, I don't mean. I don't. I don't mean. I don't. I don't mean. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't mean. I don't mean the government of Lithuania. I'm saying the people in Lithuania. How? What? What is their mood after all this? The people, the younger people, I think, are, are on the one hand shocked, but thankful that the truth is being told. The older people, you know, Ruta told me a lot of stories. She was at there's a big book fair in in um, in Vilna, the biggest one in the Baltics in the fall, and um, the year that the book came out, many many elderly people came up to her and said. Thank you so much. Now we're finally talking about what happened to the Jews. Wow. And because each one felt that what had happened was only in their small town. They didn't realize that this was a national disaster right. everywhere. And uh, it gave them a certain sense that uh, the truth the truth must be told. I have to say, you know what? I'll tell you one story from the book that really brings tears to my heart. And I, and I was on the verge of tears when, when this happened. We were in a town near where my grandfather was born. My grandfather's from Ligmanian, and this is from Shnanshoneli, Novo Shvenziana in Yiddish. And we see an old woman. I, I saw an old woman leaving a, a grocery store, and she looked the right age to have been old enough to remember something from the war. So I said to Ruta, I, I don't speak Lithuanian, so I said to Ruta, go, go ask her. Maybe she remembers something. Okay. So she, her name was Olga, and she said, that um, she had been friendly with the, she, her family was friendly with the Jewish family. Both families had two girls, one older, like about 15, and the other one, she was seven or eight, and her friend in the other family, also the same age. And when the decree started against the Jews, and it became clear that some very bad things might happen, there was a very intense discussion in her family whether her family can save her friend. So I said to her, I said, you, you must have been afraid of the Germans. She said, no, we were afraid of our neighbors. And she started crying. And I'm telling you, it was the most That proves your whole thing. point. That proves your whole point. Exactly. And, and I, I, I'm almost positive I can tell you that she had never told this story to anybody. It was like an enormous rock rolled off her heart. <sighs> she was finally able to speak to someone who could empathize with what she had gone through. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, when I read this book, I felt like I was reading one of the most important books about the uh, era of the Shoah, uh, and I, uh, I'm i highly recommending it. Ephraim Zuroff uh, with us. The book is entitled Our People Discovering Lithuania's Hidden Holocaust. Our People Discovering Lithuania's Hidden Holocaust. And as we alluded to earlier, who knows in how many other countries this type of uh, scenario was duplicated uh, something to really keep in mind when we think about uh, the Shoah and the effect that the um, that the entire movement had on the uh, present and future of the Jewish people. Uh, our people discovering Lithuania's hidden Holocaust. Can I assume this book is uh, available in all the usual places? Yeah, in the usual places. Certainly in Amazon and you know the uh, Barnes and Noble and all of that. And a lot of the museums are selling. Wiesenthal Center is also selling it. And, and uh, it's gotten a lot of attention, I think. But listen, it's, it's, it's rather unique if you think about it. I'm, I'm a descendant of the victims. and I'm even named for my great-uncle, Rabbi Ephraim Zar, who's Rosh Yeshiva in Horodich, and ran away to Vilna. I'll tell you one, one interesting story. We, I, one of the most dramatic things for me in the research that I did in my book on the Vanat Sala, my Ph.D., 
was when I discovered the name of my great uncle, his wife, and his two boys on a list of people who were sent Shanghai permits on May 16, 1941. Wow. Now, unfortunately, they, they were murdered in the Shoah. Apparently, they never got them or they weren't able to use them or whatever. He was one of these uh, Rosh Yeshiva who ran away to Vilna when Vilna was turned over to the Lithuanians by the Russians in 39. Mm-hmm. In any event, and I found his address. His address was on a list of people who had been sent to visas. So before we went on the mission, I went with Ruta to go to this building and to see if we could see the apartment where he was living with his wife and the two boys. So the entrance to the to that place where, where their apartment was was locked. And we looked around. Then someone stuck his head out from the same entrance. And Ruta starts telling him, listen, this guy came from Israel. His great uncle lived here. He'd like to see the apartment. So the guy says, to, don't try and fool me. This guy is pointing to me. He's looking for the bad guys. <laughs> so, in other words, he knew who I was. Mm-hmm. The Nazi hunter, right? Yep. So, but anyway, he finally opened the, he opened the entrance, okay? So we go upstairs, we knock on the door, and no one, no one answered. And then, after we left, we thanked the person and, and said to us, listen, I still don't believe you. Meaning? Meaning that I'm looking for Nazi war criminals. I'm not looking for my uncle, ah. or my great uncle. <laughs> now I understand. <laughs> now he, he could have. No, no. Listen, I'm a very well. known... You'll excuse me, but I have to tell you that I'm quite well known in Lithuania. I'm probably the most hated Jew in the country, easily. Unbelievable. Uh, the book is called "Our People: Discovering Lithuania's Hidden Holocaust." Ephraim Zurov, always an honor and pleasure to speak with you, and you always teach me and us a great deal, and I thank you for that. Thanks, Nachum. Great to be on the show and wish you and your crew much success. Amen. Thank you so much for that. Our People Discovering Lithuania's Hidden Holocaust. I am highly recommending it. It's available Amazon and all the traditional places. Uh, check it out, everybody. Ephraim Zurof, Z-U-R-O-F-F, responsible for it. And this is America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at NachumSingle.com and the NachumSingle Network and, of course, in the beloved NSN app.
J.M. in the A.M. Avram Avram Freed with Otsar. You heard Reboin done by uh, Barry Weber. Quarter after eight. Good morning. It's J.M. in the A.M. My thanks to Ephraim Zuroff. Amazing to read about what he's done. Really amazing. And if you have a uh, child or grandchild that's uh, into history, especially modern Jewish history, you got to suggest his books. You got to. Um, the accuracy, the uh, the research. Uh, the lessons that are learned from them about history, both Jewish and not, uh, just amazing. This portion of NSN programming brought to you by our friends at A&H. Abel's and Hyman makes traditional kosher delicacies, pastrami, corned beef, salami, and more. Old world classics, beef fry, kishka, and more. And modern, better-for-you kosher products, including no-nitrate-added, reduced fat, and reduced sodium hot dogs, plus other many unique items. Visit the website, kosherdogs.net. Enjoy a 10% discount with promo code RADIO. And try A&H today. Well, it's the brand new year of Tufshin Pei Aleph, the perfect time to become a mentor or student with partners in Torah. We will continue to recommend it. If um, if you want to study Torah one-on-one with a mentor or partner chosen specifically for you, call 1-800-STUDY-42. 1-800-STUDY, the number four, and then the number two, or log on to partnersintorah.org. Partnersintorah.org will be a life-changing experience for you. Partners in Torah.org. And that goes for both students and mentors. It's a life-changing experience. Tomorrow night, NSN presents Open Mic. Nahum Siegel hosts Steve Adelsberg. For the love of the game, inside baseball, Jews, and sports, with former New York Yankee legend special guest Ron Bloomberg, author of Designated Hebrew. Tomorrow night, 7.30, an exclusive event for JM and AM and NSN supporters. Make sure to become one at fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org. A big thank you to our friends at Rosenbaum Financial Services. They are sponsoring the event, taxcpa2.com, taxcpa2.com. Thank you to Rosenbaum Financial Services. And um, it's all tomorrow night starting at 7.30. We're getting very excited about it. Oh, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. I've been to events with Ron Bloomberg, and he's just uh, a barrel of laughs and a ball of fire. He's really amazing. Uh, if you're a Yankee fan from that era, it'll be even more amazing. That I could tell you. JM in the AM, if you are uh, looking for a job, send us your resume. Resume at NahumSiegel.com. Resume at NahumSiegel.com. Uh, anything in the Jewish not-for-profit professional realm, we forward to our friends at the Joel Paul Group. Everything else, we try our hardest to find a job for you and match you up with an employer. Uh, so, again, it's uh, resume at NahumSiegel.com. Thank you to our good friend Glenn Richter. He knows a good uh, interview when he hears one, and I thank him for that compliment on the app. Um, 
Then I see there's the discussion about whether the phrase happy cheshvan is appropriate for these times. <laughs> a discuss- I like that, that our app is becoming a, uh, a forum for questions like that. That's very cool. Hey, don't forget, regarding tomorrow night, you could vote for what uniform uh, Steve Adelsberg should wear during the Zoom call. If you go to uh, my... Uh, if you go to my, um, what's it called? <laughs> my, my Twitter handle, at Tall Jewish Radio. Oh, boy, this is, that's crazy. I couldn't remember that word. Uh, if you go to my Twitter handle, at Tall Jewish Radio, or on Facebook, facebook.com slash Nahum Siegel, uh, you will see the most recent posts are the ones about the uh, the vote, the poll that we are taking, about which uniform would be the uh, the primary one to display uh, tomorrow night during the Zoom session that we are having. By the way, um, not only for those who aren't into baseball, but remember that the Erev Shabbos show, which airs tomorrow night on our network at 7 o'clock with Mark Zamek, brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem, remember that um, that it's, re- it's replayed. It is replayed in its entirety at 3 a.m. and 10 a.m. Friday morning. So there's a lot to look forward to, even if you're joining us for the Zoom session with Ron Bloomberg uh, tomorrow night. And Mark has already pointed out that he is putting together a very special edition of the Arab Shabbos show for uh, Parshas Noach. He's calling it an oldie show in honor of the yard site of Misu Shalach on the 11th of Mar Cheshvan. Isn't Rachel Imenu also the 11th of Mar Cheshvan? I think so. Uh, he was the world's oldest person. So oldies from the rabbi's sons, Ruach, Mordechai ben David, Avremel, and many more will be featured uh, this coming uh, Thursday night here on the Nahum Siegel Network um, during the Arab Shabbos show, which again is encoring at 3 a.m. and 10 a.m. on Friday morning. Also, a great final hour will begin about, what would it begin, like uh, 4.40, something like that? I would guess around then. Uh, a great final hour on Friday will feature Diaspora, Isaac Bitone, Jep, and more. All brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem, all prepared by our amazing music director, Mark Zomik, and that's happening tomorrow night, Thursday, and of course, most of Friday, uh, the program, uh, the show, and then the final hour dominates our incredible presentation here on the Nahum Siegel Network. All right, so that's the uh, that's the update in terms of what's going on and what's happening with us, and I hope, again, I hope you'll, uh, hope you'll join us either for the Arab Shabbos show uh, as part of our incredible network presentation or our network presentation of uh, Talkin' Baseball, uh, which is going to feature Ron Bloomberg tomorrow night on Zoom, our regular Zoom ID, and we will um, uh, give you all the information in detail tomorrow morning right here at JM in the AM.
J.M. in the A.M. Little schlock rock with Hashem is one. Miami at Yivarechecha, ABD with Imesh Gachech. Wednesday morning, it's J.M. in the A.M., 25 minutes before the hour. Uh, full day, of course, on our network, including Avrami's live lunch, which starts at 11 a.m. Eastern time. Make sure to be tuned in. He takes your request, the whole thing. Make sure to comment on the app. Go to the NSN, Nachum Segal Network app for Android and iPhone. And comment away. Tomorrow night's the baseball event. We'll give you the details tomorrow morning in terms of how to get into Zoom. So you can be part of the uh, part of the exciting Ron Bloomberg event as we get to talk baseball tomorrow night between games two and three of the World Series. The Dodgers, some might say the hated Dodgers, are leading in that World Series. Want to wish a mazel tov to the Mursky and Lashinsky families. Adina, Yaakov, mazel tov from all of us here at JM and the AM. The big wedding happens tonight. It was originally scheduled to be in New York State. Now it's going to be in New Jersey State. Uh, Adina, Yaakov, mazel tov. Special mazel tov to uh, Frida and Yogi. Two people who are such amazing friends. And we look forward to celebrating there tonight. Bezrat Hashem. So the Mursky and Lashinsky families are getting ready for tonight's big event. Mazal Tov from all of us here at JMM. Weather looks like it's going to be pretty good. Baruch Hashem for that. Bliyayin Hara. Thank God. Um, Tomorrow morning on this radio broadcast uh, at about 8.15, David Cutler with an important update regarding NCSY summer programs. Um, How do I put this? In the world of uh, education, with all the things that are going on, yesterday we had a chance to speak about Yeshiva League sports and its status. We're all familiar if uh, we have kids in the Yeshiva League or if we have kids in schools in general, we're all familiar with the juggling act that schools have had to do, kolakavod to them, to get everything opened and and keep them as open as possible all these months, especially the last couple of months. Um, But many people, many people are starting to think about next summer and how we pray that the NCSY summer programs, especially those in Israel, will be able to operate. So tomorrow morning, David Cutler is going to be on. I'm sure he'll give us a very important update. And I hope you'll be tuned in. If uh, NCSY summer is important to you, make sure to be tuned in tomorrow right here at JM in the AM. More coming up. It's a Wednesday at JM in the AM. Okay, everybody after me. Ivdu. Et. Hashem. Hashem. 
California I'm gonna round up every Jew I've ever known I'm gonna sit down right down there in front of me 
Gonna take out this guitar and sing them all the song. God is alive and well in Jerusalem, yeah. People praying three times a day to Him. Throw away the cars and bonds, the stocks and bonds, and up loans. Grab a boat, a plane, if need be, swim. Some folks got a Lincoln Continental Identity glass so nobody sees it Just one time a lot to roll down the window Say you ain't gonna fool the law with this hunk of tin God is alive
the road, living it up, living your dreams. But when it all goes bust at the seams, then you scream and cry to the one on high. He's been it from the beginning when you felt like you were winning. He was calling all the shots, he gave you all that you got. So when you're low, just you know he's up above and down below. So shout it out aloud with me, let's go. J.M. in the A.M., Mordechai Shapiro and his Ain Ode Milvado. Before that, God is alive and well in Jerusalem. Moshe Hech, Diaspora had Ivdu Wednesday morning. J.M. in the A.M. at 12 minutes before the hour. Don't forget Avrami's live lunch starts at 11 a.m. Eastern time. Feel free to comment on the app. Go to the NSN, Nahum Single Network app for Android and iPhone and comment away. Um, yeah, simple as that. More coming up. Here's Jakob Shweki.
דמיינת, כשישנת גם כשקמת, עם אנשים לא מאמינים בו, והחושים עוד אוחזים בו. חלום שעוד יקום ויתגשם, כשזה יקרה אתה תהיה חזק ושלם. אהבת את הרצון, את כוח הדמיון, תגיע לחזון הגדול. אם אתה נופל אז קום מתפלל, תמשיך להשתדל ו... Thank <laughs> you. 
Michael Nidada and Moda Ani. Wrapping things up for a Wednesday morning. Uh, Dovi Shapiro before that with Lech Alzeh. Yaakov Shweki at Baruch Hashem. And Mordechai Shapiro with Enod Milvado in there. Here at JM in the AM. All the details regarding tomorrow night's Zoom. Uh, we'll have for you tomorrow morning on JM in the AM. You'll be able to uh, write down the Zoom ID and all that. And, if, and yes, our Erev Shabbos show is... Not only uh, going to be aired tomorrow night, but it will uh, be a brand new, incredible Parshas Noach show with Mark Zomik, brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. So none of our regular great programming is being preempted. We're doing the event on Zoom and on Facebook Live, and that's how it's going to work tomorrow night. Details, as I said, tomorrow. Uh, Our brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish Moments in the morning radio program heard on listeners sponsored digital radio around the world. The web and alchemsegal.com and the alchemsegal network, and of course, on the beloved NSN app. Wraps up a great Wednesday here at JM in the AM. If you don't receive our daily thread or our newsletter, just email Avrami AF at nachumsegal.com. AF at nachumsegal.com. He'll make sure that you are put on the appropriate list. Check out our community calendar online for some of the events that are going on. Again, check out the community calendar section of nachumsegal.com. Dot com for some of the events that are happening in our community. And have a fabulous Wednesday. Till tomorrow, Malcolm Siegel reminding you, remember the past, live the present, and trust the future. Mm-hmm.